I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup and So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize But listen, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Federico, Turnbull, Gilmore, Brown, Chattel, Bothwell, Bay, Bitch, Mahar, Mullen, Millen, Sutter, Pedersen, Pavisey, Curry, Zookley, Uthard, Hunter, Schofield, Reeves, Ramage, Kia, Dunlop, Wickenheiser, Crombeam, Benning, Raglan, Ewan, Nicoletti, Ramage, Romney, Pavlovsky, Evans, Cavallini, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup in here, 52, man, gimme a let's go blues. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city in the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still clueless, we're talking about St. Louis. This is your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin, joined by my partner in crime, my confidant, Wags. Uh, it is week number two, part two of our chat with Blues PA announcer Tom Calhoun. And, you know, every now and then, Wags, we come across someone that is just very enlightening and just a guy that you just you, you want to, like, lift the mic away from you and just kind of kick back and just, like, listen to story time. You know, that's basically, you know, Tom Calhoun in a nutshell. Uh, great guy, Wags. Oh, most definitely a great guy. Someone that I think kind of over, gets overlooked at times as far as somebody that you would want to talk to about their experiences and about what they go through. I mean, obviously you've got the play-by-play guys, you've got the coaches, you got things like that, but the PA guy is someone that's so dialed into the game. And as we heard last week, they're guys that can kind of control the flow of the game and what the fans experience and how they experience it as well. So mm -hmm. I, I urge most people to go out there and, and talk to your PA announcers because they have a wealth of information that you would not otherwise get from other people. And they're some of the biggest fans of the teams that they cover as well. I mean, they, they know the team in and out. Like even, you know, I do, I'm lucky enough to do some public address work here in St. Louis, you know, like for instance, I'm doing uh, UMSL women's basketball this season. And I know the roster just after a couple of games, like almost by memory. Now I know, you know, I, by probably by mid season, I'll know where these, uh, these women actually, you know, like grew up at, you know, and then you'll know, like, you know, this is, this is a, you know, a three point threat. This is a inside slasher. You know, you just, you get to know these players almost intimately just because you're there for every single game and you're watching every moment you have to, as a public address announcer and, and you have to stay on top of it. And Lord knows Tom Calhoun has been one of the best in hockey at doing that over the past 30 plus years. And, um, we do talk a little bit about the R word in this, uh, um, part here, the retirement word. Um, and, uh, you know, what? En enough, enough prelude. Let's go and hear what he has to say about that and a wealth of other information that, uh, you can only get from the one and only Tom Calhoun. It is part two of our conversation and our blue notes face off of the week.
before the, the pandemic hit and all that, you, you did join the Cameo website to do, you know, special mm-hmm. announcements and things for people. And you use that platform to to fundraise for the Be The Match campaign, which is something that Layla Anderson was a part of. You know, what led you to that and what why was the decision made to be a, a fundraising effort for that uh, organization? Well, really, it was because uh, Layla and her, her dad, uh, Scott, were uh, kind enough to show up at that uh, Hall of Fame ceremony back in February before the, all the pandemic stuff hit. It was actually, yeah, it was early February. And uh, they just, uh, uh, through the uh, uh, help of uh, Kelly Highland, who's a longtime friend of mine from broadcasting, uh, she's friends with the Andersons. And she said, we'd like to bring uh, Layla to your Hall of Fame ceremony. So that'd be great. And we had her come up on stage, as you saw in the picture, and, and say some things to the, uh, to the crowd, because back in those days, that was, that was a really big deal for, for a crowd to be able to see Layla and actually interact with her. So, so they came, and um, you know we've become close, and I know how much Be The Match meant to her. I know how much Be The Match meant to uh, the Schwartz family, Jaden Schwartz and uh, Rick, who recently passed away, his dad, and, and, and Mandy, of course, his sister, who, who passed away from the cancer a while back. And so, you know, I don't know, it could have been any charity, but this one jumped out at me as something that I think people would be uh, happy to donate to. So, so that was what I decided to do. Yeah, I've been lucky enough to meet Layla myself. And, you know, she is just an absolute force for good in this world. I mean, she is just an absolutely <laughs> bright personality, always, always, you know, glad to chat and just just a super kid. And, you know, it's hard to think of Layla without, you know, getting at least a little emotional over her story. And, you know, one thing I've always admired you for, Tom, is, you know, your ability to stay professional, you know, whenever you you, you crack the mic at uh, Enterprise Center or wherever you're, you're, you're doing public address from. Uh, but have there been any other moments? Obviously, the Stanley Cup victory stands out. But have there been any moments that have, you know, gotten you a little emotional uh, while while covering the Blues? Oh yeah, there's been quite a few actually. And and whenever I am asked to do a moment of silence or or make a read about somebody who's passed or um, uh, is battling a, a disease like Layla is, uh, you know, you have to force yourself to um, be in that moment, but also uh, be very careful about your breath control and all of the things that would make an unprofessional announcement. You have to separate yourself from the emotion of it somehow. And you know, you you know how that is. It's not easy. Sometimes it's very difficult to read a piece of copy that's designed to tug at the heartstrings of the crowd without them tugging at your own. And so it's, uh, it's something that early on doing that sort of thing in front of a lot of people was difficult for me. And, uh, and I kind of regretted whenever I had to do an announcement like that to be be truthful about it. Um, But over time, I learned and people told me that they wouldn't want anybody else to do that announcement. They would want it to come from me. And so if people are willing to place that kind of confidence in you, you, uh, you have to make it, make sure that you are in control of yourself. 
um, and that you know at that moment that uh, it's important to a lot of people to do it right. Yeah, because yeah. I remember uh, the Pavel Dimitra uh, time frame and, and what ended up happening there and having to, to make that announcement. Um, yeah, there's been other ones tough. I mean, the Ari situation uh, and, and other Blues players that have died. But that one right there for me sticks out the most because he was one of the most recognizable guys growing up for me. And to have to hear that announcement, I can't even imagine actually being the one reading that announcement. Yeah, and going back to the early days, the first one of those types of announcements I can remember making was when Barkley Plager passed away. <clears throat> it was he passed away earlier that day uh, of mm. a game, of a Saturday night game. And Susie Matthew, who, uh, as I said earlier, was in charge of communications at the time, she said, we have to do a moment of silence prior to the national anthem for Barkley Plager. And here's your script. And I read it over and I said, man, I don't know. This is going to be tough for me to get through because, you know, I didn't know Barkley all that well, but of course he was an icon uh, of all icons in those days for the blues and for him to pass away and for them to want me to uh, read a moment of silence and, you know, make a tribute to all his family and friends and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was just, it was scary for me, truthfully, to get through that thing without, uh, without breaking up. But I did. And like I said earlier, you kind of learn after doing a number of those things to um, be in control of yourself. Yeah. And, you know, kind of talking about, you know, emotional moments like that, you know, it's it's something that I've come across just in my limited public address work, you know, at least compared to yours and happened just actually this past weekend where I had to, where I was doing UMSL women's basketball and we had to do a moment of silence for the uh, sports information director at McKendry. Um, oh, yeah. Scott yeah. Cummings, he's a good friend of mine. Yeah. yeah, really good guy. Unfortunately, passed away from cancer. And uh, he he was the one last year that gave me a chance of doing hockey for them, you know, which was like oh. my, it, you know, hockey's my favorite sport, obviously. So it was just a chance, a chance to like literally walk, you know, do do the Tom Calhoun thing myself, you know, at a game was which was, was just a huge honor. Um, now, you know, as I mentioned, I, I do, you know, I do sports at Umsol. I do SIUE sports. You know, in fact, I'm actually doing women's basketball there this Saturday filling in. Um, I used to do soccer at University of Notre Dame. And I, I really don't think I could have gotten any of those gigs without the impression that you left on me growing up. You know, I was very lucky. I had a dad that took me to a lot of blues games growing up. And uh, you just hearing your voice at the blues, it, it, it's synonymous for me with blues hockey in general and it's because you're so good at what you do and you know you've influenced my style so um who would you say your inspiration was and who do you is there anyone that you try to emulate yourself behind the mic or is there anyone that's influenced your style um uh, i guess the short answer is no i i don't think so i think uh i think what I learned in broadcasting before I started doing PA announcing was probably the most influential uh, of my style and what I wanted to do. You know, going back to the original uh, few games that I did, I was handed a I was handed a, a release or a, a, 
handbook, I guess you'd call it, from the National Hockey League before I started doing the PA. And I did a couple of practice games and did a period here and a period there while the uh, guy that I succeeded was still working for the Blues. Uh, but it wasn't like doing a whole game. But they handed me this handbook and said, National Hockey League expects all public address announcers to be fair and even-handed when making announcements, not favoring the home team, not favoring the road team, not being ex extremely uh, boisterous when making announcements and blah. You know, it was, you were, I, I, was, I thought that when they gave me this, that I was expected to uh, be like a robot, you know, yeah. almost in my style. And, uh, I, you know, I said to the people at the Blues, I said, are, are they kidding? I said, Do the, you know, the NHL doesn't want any kind of emotion in, in these announcements. And they said, well, you can, you can put a little more into the Blues goals than the other team's goals. And I think that would be okay. But so, you know, when I first started doing it, if you heard any tapes or saw any video from back in those days, I think you would find that Tom Calhoun sounded a lot different back then than what I do now, you know, now I'm encouraged to have as much fun with an announcement almost as, as possible. And in fact, if I don't put enough emotion in it, usually somebody will say, Hey man, you need to really get into it now. Okay. Because you know, this is a big deal or, you know, I'll get some, uh, some help like that. Um, and um, so Really, I think my early broadcasting training was was the most influential of anything. I didn't have a particular PA announcer anywhere that I uh, really emulated in any way. Some of the old Cardinals guys, probably, you know, I paid attention to them a little bit before John Hewlett came along. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I guess, again, the short answer would be no. I, I kind of, I suppose formulated my own approach and it seems like over it's really the last 20 years where the the pa gig has kind of evolved into what it is today because it was mm -hmm. so regimental and strict and just basic that it, it, the personality wasn't really able to be let loose into the last you know 15 20 years or so and you mentioned john Hewlett and, and yourself i think you guys are definitely at the forefront of that, uh, at least from the places that I've gone. So uh, definitely kudos to you guys on that. Uh, now, okay. hockey, I, I play, I listen, I watch. There's a lot of challenging names. My last name is Wagon Connect, so I, I know a thing about challenging names. What are some of the toughest names that you've had to pronounce, and what was the longest time it took you to get one of those tough names to be perfect in your mind? Well, um Usually it's the Euro European names that cause problems, the, uh, the Russians and the Eastern European people. Um, there was um, uh, Maxim Afinogenov. Do you remember him? Yes. Oh, yeah. Sabres. First, for, yeah. First time I looked at his name, I thought, what in the world is this? How am I supposed to say that name? You know, Afinogenov. But, you know, over time you kind of learn the different uh, – trends or the different tricks i guess of the trade of the different uh, nationalities and where people come from and how things are supposed to be pronounced i guess the biggest mistake i ever made uh, was during a preseason game a number of years ago over in kansas city uh, the blues played the blackhawks in a preseason game over at uh, what used to be uh, kemper arena over there in, in kansas city and uh, i drove over to do the pa for that game and um 
since it was preseason, there were several guys on both teams that I hadn't seen before. And it just so happened that I got to the game a little bit late and I kind of walked into the place where I was supposed to do the announcing without a whole lot of preparation. And uh, all I had was a roster and some of the announcements they wanted me to make. And one of these Blackhawks players gets a penalty early in the game. And I make the announcement. Uh, Blackhawks penalty on number 33, Dustin Bifuglian. <laughs> and... I, based on the way the name was spelled, I thought, yeah. man, I nailed that one. I, I nailed it. That's great. And so 30 seconds later, the phone rings next to me and I pick it up. Hello, are you the PA guy? And I said, well, yeah, who are you? And I'm the Chicago Blackhawks uh, public relations guy. And I thought you ought to know that uh, number 33 pronounces his name Bufflin. I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, how do you get Bufflin out of that combination of letters? It's, it can't be that. He goes, well, I'm just telling you that that's how he wants his name pronounced. <laughs> I said, okay, the rest of the game, it's going to be Dustin Bufflin. Well, of course, he became a star in the league, and, and it's always been Dustin Bufflin. But uh, there's been other moments similar to that along the way, but, uh, but that's probably, probably my biggest memory of mispronouncing somebody's name. All right. Speaking of mispronouncing, you, you got a chance to be with him for so long. Is it Petrangelo or is it something completely different? Because we know how you call it. Why do they keep messing it up? Well, uh, I'd like to know the answer to that question myself. Um, I will say this, that if you ask Alex Petrangelo how he pronounces his name, he will tell you it's Alex Petrangelo. It's not Peter Angelo, it's not Petra Angelo, or any other kind of bastardization of the name. Uh, it is Alex Petrangelo. Chris Kerber and I have had this conversation, I don't know how many times, about people screwing up his name. Well, obviously the people in Las Vegas are gonna, now gonna have a yeah. chance to do that. So, um, but, you know, there's a couple of things going on there, I think. There was a guy in the league a long time ago, and I think it's actually Alex Petrangelo's uncle who was playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he pronounced, I'm sorry. I think it was a goaltender, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a goaltender. And yeah. I, think, I think he, for whatever reason, allowed people to pronounce his name Peter Angelo. Yep. And, and so that's how a lot of people, especially old timers, Remember how that name is supposed to be pronounced. Um, when he came on board with the Blues, I think Doug Armstrong and I think some of the other people in the organization who've been around for a while remembered maybe that. And, and somehow it became Petra Angelo. And if you probably interviewed Doug Armstrong today, I think that's how he would say the name. But, um, you know, the other thing was that somehow um, the color guy on NBC. Um, oh, uh, McGuire. Yeah, McGuire. Isn't it? Your name wouldn't come to me for a second. Somehow he, he got it in his head that it should be Petrangelo. Uh, and Mike Caruso, our wonderful PA or public relations guy with the blues actually challenged McGuire on that during the playoffs last year or during the Stanley cup run went up to him after a game and said, 
Mr. McGuire, why are you pronouncing Alex Petrangelo's name Petraangelo? It's not that. And McGuire very um, self-confidently said, well, I've known this guy since he was a little boy and I know the family and he pronounces it Alex Pet Petraangelo. Or at least this is the story I was told of how that conversation went. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but I'm telling the story anyway. And um, Mike said, well, you can believe that if you want. But if you ask him how he pronounces his name, he'll tell you it's Alex Petrangelo. And uh, not long after that, Mr. McGuire acquiesced and started calling him Alex Petrangelo on the air. So um, that's been uh, that's been a pet peeve of mine for a long time, that there was a portion of the hockey community who, no matter what you told them, were going to pronounce it, mis mispronounce it. Uh, when it came time and that does not surprise me about pierre mcguire one bit you know nor will it surprise <laughs> a lot of our listeners that are listening right now about pierre mcguire uh very uh he has a reputation for being a little stubborn so um now speaking of broadcasting teams um uh, how closely do you get to work with broadcasting teams whether it be you know the local guys like curbs and and john kelly or the national teams you know from nbc or um sportsnet or anywhere else um, not very, I mean, the local guys, uh, Chris Kerber and John Kelly and Darren Pang and, uh, uh, Alex Ferrario and those people who do the games on a regular basis, I see all the time at the games. So we talk about uh, professional stuff quite often. And if there's a question about a name, a new guy, uh, who comes up like, uh, uh, one of the new, one of the new guys on the roster coming up from the minors or whatever. We we usually get together either online or in person, and make sure we're all doing it the same way, whether it's right or not. Sometimes is is not is secondary to uh, us all doing it the same. Um, but Ivan Barbashev, when he came up, everybody was saying originally saying Ivan because that's typically yeah. the pronunciation of a, of a Russian player's first name. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, which is totally understandable, but we got together, I think through email because the blues were on the uh, blues were on the road. And I, I said to Chris and John Kelly, I said, we got to get this guy's name, right? How are we going to do it? And curb said, I talked to him. He said, he's been Ivan Barbashev in the minor leagues all along and he wants to keep it that way whether he pronounces it that name that way back home in russia probably not i guess but he's that way in the north american version of hockey and and so we we interact that way from time to time and um you know people like uh well, some of the national guys that come in doc emmerich i love that guy sorry to see him retire you know, I always had wonderful conversations with him and uh, he always gave credit to the local people, you know, the PA announcers and the organists and those people at the local arenas. So, but generally speaking, mostly just the local guys that I kind of do business with. 
And you've been doing this the entire interview. You've been nailing every single thing that we've been wanting to talk to you about, uh, predicting it ahead of time. Because our next question was going to be, what were your thoughts on Doc Emmerich's retirement? Well, he is a pro's pro. Let me put it that way. Uh, He just uh, went out of his way to be cordial. Uh, I had a student of mine uh, several years ago who wanted to meet him pick his brain about how he puts together his uh, pregame information and his rosters and that sort of thing, because this kid wanted to be a hockey broadcaster. I got a hold of him through the NBC uh, production team, and uh, he made himself available for better part of an hour prior to a game here a couple of years ago. We had pictures taken, uh, my student, myself, He autographed the picture for me, signed it. I have it here in the man cave. Uh, It's one of my prized possessions. And um, uh, he was just a wonderful ambassador of the sport and uh, eloquently called a game, always had the right word at the right time. Um, Some people found his style, I don't know, displeasing, but I I can't imagine why they would. Uh, I just thought he was an excellent communicator of not only the language, uh, the way he presented uh, words, as I said, at the right time, but also uh, uh, he had a wonderful connection, I think, with the people in the sport, and it showed whenever he called a game. Yeah, Doc was, you know, I mean, quality guy, quality human being. You know, I lived in Fort Wayne for a while, and he grew up near there, and Uh, He stopped in to do a a Fort Wayne Comets game, you know, with his mentor, Bob Chase, which was an awesome moment, you know, for for everyone living up there and just even me just a witness. And um, you're right. He's a great ambassador for the game. I'm reading his book as we speak. He just came out with a biography and it's a, it's a really good read so far. And it just kind of, it's, it's interesting to, you know, to watch his rise, you know, read about his rise, like through Port Huron, Michigan, and, you Mm -hmm. know, and then, you know, making his way up, you know, just like a lot of other broadcasters do, you know, you start in the minor leagues, like I did in Ottawa and then just work your way up to, you know, the pros, as they say. So, um, you know, while we're on the subject of hall of famers, um, and you know, obviously doc's going to be a future one himself. If he is in the hockey hall of fame already, um, you, been elected to the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, What did it mean for you to uh, join uh, that pantheon? Well, it was almost like uh, somebody said, Tom, we appreciate all the work you've done and over all those years, and we want you to be recognized for it. And, And when you are in any kind of profession and people in that profession think highly of whatever you do, and are able to make some kind of official statement or uh, commitment to the work that you've done, um, it just doesn't get much better than that. I mean, you, you are totally gratified. Uh, I, was, I was humbled uh, by the people who showed up to support me that night, my family and friends. <coughs> Sorry. And... Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I hope, hopefully I can do the job for a while longer, but, uh, but it put a really nice cap on uh, the 33 years I've been doing this for the blues and, and uh, on the plaque that I have, it says broadcaster and public address announcer. 
Well, I think it was mostly for the PA announcing part of it and uh, the fact that uh, I've been with the Blues for so long. My broadcasting career is something I'm proud of and looking back on it, I'm not doing a whole lot of it anymore, but uh, uh, being the Blues PA guy all these, all these years um, and then going into the St. Louis Hall of Fame with all of these other wonderful people that you admire is, is just as good as it gets. Well, like Tom has said, and like I've said before as well, you've been kind of an inspiration. You've been someone that a lot of people have emulated and looking at it as, you know, from the outside, people may go, yeah, it's, it's a PA job, but there's a lot to be said about what you do. And, and you even said it yourself, you know, back in the, in, in the early days, you were basically dictating how a game felt and how people reacted and, and you got to control all of that. So it's more than just announcing a name or announcing a, a goal. There's a lot more that goes into it. And, and I almost kind of hate asking this question because we don't want to see this end, but how long do you see yourself doing this? And w when it is time to go, uh, w when does Tom get your job? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, like I said, I'm not sure who the backup guy is right now, so he can start moving in on that position already. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> the um, well, you know, as long as I'm healthy and I feel like I can do the job the way people expect me to do it, uh, especially those who hire me to do it, um, I'll keep doing it. Uh, you know, there have been other guys uh, who have done this sort of work in well into their late 80s and early 90s. Uh, I think the, the guy in Detroit who's now retired um, did it up until, you know, like 91 or 92. You know, I don't know that that's going to be in the cards for me, but I'd like to think it might be um, because I enjoy it. You know, I enjoy the people of the sport. I enjoy showing up at the rink and talking to the a player occasionally and, and the people in the press box and, and the off ice officials are all buddies of mine. And so I look forward to seeing them. It's almost become more of a social thing than a, than a professional thing for me because uh, uh, you know, all of the great people involved in the sport are always there at the building. And so um, again, a long answer to a short question, but uh, I think uh, uh, hopefully I've got, maybe another seven or eight or 10 years in me. And we'll see, see where we are at that point. Oh, you know, I feel good. I'm healthy. I haven't had any major health issues, knock on wood. And uh, as long as I can do it and people think I'm doing an okay job, I'll, I'll just keep at it. Well, we'll keep you as long as we possibly can. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're a treasure thing. Yeah. We're you, and you've been a treasure trove of information and memories and just, and, and just, you know, this has been a great conversation and I got one final question for you. What advice would you give to anyone that might want to do what you do someday and become a public address announcer? Um, I would say uh, practice, read a lot, uh, uh, get comfortable with the language so that no words or names surprise you because a lot of times you're gonna be in a situation where you have to read something cold and there may be something in there that you might be surprised with. So command of the language is, is I think number one. Uh, if you have a great voice or a decent voice, that's icing on the cake these days, I think. I think if you, if you can perform and 
give the people that produce the show at the building what they want to hear at the moment they want to hear it. And that takes some practice and that takes some experience. And uh, so if you have to work at the minor league level or, or high school level for crying out loud, uh, do it and, you know, keep doing it until uh, you can put your name in the hat for something higher up the ladder. And, uh, but I think uh, the basics of it are um, learning to be comfortable in front of a microphone, no matter what's going on around you. And we have a lot going on around us in hockey games most of the time. Um, and, and being able to command the language uh, effectively is, is really, you know, your two major, uh, values, I guess, that you bring to the table. St. Louis blues public address, public address announcer, Tom Calhoun. Thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, uh, please, uh, keep doing this because, because you're, 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 you're great at it. And, uh, you're, you're, as I said earlier, you're synonymous with blues hockey at this point. So we hope you keep, uh, stay healthy and you keep doing this for uh, quite a while longer. Hold on. I got something to show you before you go. Oh boy. What do we um, got here? Well, this is uh, something that they, they called me into the office at last September and handed me a box, this particular box. Oh boy. And uh, this thing happened to be in it. Let's see if I can show it to you here. Oh, that's oh my awesome. goodness. I'm almost blinded by how glistening and <laughs> glowing it is. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, wow. I'm, I may have uh, shed a tear or two when uh, they handed that thing to me. And uh, uh, it's, uh, I think the players ring and the uh, coaches and some of the full-time people have a little bit more bling going on in theirs. But, <laughs> that's but plenty I'm of bling pretty, to me. I'm pretty happy with this one. So uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing that happened, uh, the Stanley Cup run and being able to put the cup over my head and have a picture taken with a half a million people behind me. And uh, it was a long time coming, but it was yeah. a wonderful thing. And uh, hopefully we can uh, do that again sometime soon. And thanks for having me, guys. I really enjoyed the conversation and good luck with all you're do doing uh, on the podcast. I appreciate it, Tom. And, uh, um, you know, people forget that. I mean, you, I mean, you've been behind the mic for the ups and downs of the blues. And as we know, there's a lot of downs with the blues over the years. And, you know, right. also, also you know, it's fair share of ups as well. So I can only imagine what you were thinking when they handed you that Stanley cup ring. That's just, and, and, and trust me, that thing had plenty of bling on it. I mean, that's, you know, that, that is more than enough bling for anyone. So, um, really, really beautiful stuff. Yeah, it was great. And, uh, you know, the, the ownership didn't really have to do that for part-time guys like myself, game night employees, but they did. And uh, I'll always be thankful to uh, Tom Stillman and the people that uh, Chris Zimmerman and the other people that run the organization. They, they uh, really took care of all of us. Yes, Blues fans are very lucky to have the uh, Tom Stillman and his regime in power, you know, after some ups and downs over the years with with the owners. You mentioned Harry or Ornest earlier. We had to go through Bill Laurie and just. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is this is the, the pot of gold at the end of the of the rainbow for everyone. The best we've had so far, that's for sure. Definitely. All right, Tom. And you've been the best PA guy we've had so far. So uh, thank you very much for coming on. And that'll do it for this episode of Blue Notes. I want to thank you for listening because without you, there is no me, there is no WAGS, there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle. Jeremy Boyer, play us out. <laughs>